Welcome everyone to the Every Other Thursday podcast, where in each episode we bring you suggestions for improving the guest dining experience and our industry roundtable, where we tackle the industry issues of the moment. Every Other Thursday is an approximately 30-minute presentation featuring our industry experts who are never shy about offering up their thoughts and ideas. Every Other Thursday is brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. Tabletop Journal, where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places in the world of hospitality tabletop. Now, here's your host of Every Other Thursday, Dave Turner. Welcome, everybody, to our new podcast titled Every Other Thursday. I know it's a catchy title, but if nothing else, you're always going to remember each day that our episodes drop. I'm Dave Turner. I'm your host, and I'm joined here on Every Other Thursday by my two colleagues, Greg Kirish and Jay Alley. You can find our bios out on the website. Just go to our for this podcast. Just go to our web address, and our web address is everyotherthursdaypodcast.com. And the format of our podcast is real straightforward. We start each show off with a product or a concept that Greg has found in his many wanderings through this industry. And these products are meant to be very simple and very affordable. And they really meant to elevate the guest experience and help operators add to their profitability in ways that they didn't really maybe realize, or perhaps they just forgotten about, realized it before and just need a little reminder on it. And then, of course, we're going to finish up each episode with an exciting uh, roundtable discussion discussing all the pertinent issues happening today in the hospitality industry. So with that, let's get this inaugural issue of Every Other Thursday rolling. Welcome, gentlemen. It's great to be with you today. Hello. Good afternoon. Greg, what cool product do you have for us today? Well, we're going to start out with something that is very old, but it's very new. Uh, bone marrow spoons. Bone marrow spoons. Yeah. Never heard of them. Well, bone marrow is exploding on, <laughs> on menus across the country. How um, old are bone marrow spoons? Anybody know? I don't. But therefore, they've been around since time began, right? They've been around for a couple hundred years at least. And uh, and uh, you can – so it's, uh, you, if you do any kind of internet search, you can find sterling silver ones from the 1700s and – and antique set from the from the nineteenth century. They've been around. Um, the point is, is that uh, you know this is a specialized product. Obviously, uh, nobody is going to make a fortune selling bone marrow spoons. But bone marrow, like I said, is just exploding on, on menus across the country. And what what we found is that. A lot of uh, suppliers actually have them on their sh- uh, shelves in their warehouses collecting dust. So this is an opportunity to move them. But even more of an opportunity, I think, is for the suppliers to build a relationship dialogue with the operators. The operators need to find products that are easy to use, that they're affordable, um, that uh, that uh, the Yes, get immediately. And here's a product that's that's fantastic. And up to now, operators have been using Demitasse spoons or lobster picks. But here's a specialized here's a specialized product, and um, you know, like I said, easy to use, easy to clean. I, I I don't know, Jay. I've been on a lot of sales presentations in this business in my time, and you have too. You ever been on one where somebody presented bone marrow spoons? I never have. Not the spoon specifically, but uh, he's correct, though. I've been talking to some people about this re- just recently since we've been talking about it, and it's, uh, it is a hot topic, no, no, no doubt about it. Great. 
So tell us a little bit more. Where, where can I find these uh, these bone marrow spoons, Greg? Well, a lot of the uh, uh, major distributors of tabletop products have them already on their lines. A lot of the dinnerware manufacturers uh, have them. Um, it's something that uh, is really really readily available uh, to the to the on retail pricing on online is four or five bucks a piece. Of course. This would be drops considerably for the trade, um, and I think that if you know if an operator had a, oh I don't know two dozen of these, it probably cover all their needs and really elevate the guest experience. Um, but again, it, it shows it would show the operator that uh, that the suppliers know what's going on. They're coming to them with proactively with ideas that will help them improve their businesses. How many of these would I need if I'm an operator? If I've got a, let's say I've got a 150 seat restaurant. I'm thinking, you know, two, three dozen, something like that. Okay. So it's not a big deal in expense wise? No. And and so in bone marrow, um, pretty profitable item on a menu, I suppose? Very much so. You know, what we're, talk- we're talking about is uh, like femur bones, bo- leg bones from, from cattle that were once thrown away. Uh, and now... <clears throat> And now they're being used uh, consistently, and from a throwaway item to a uh, high-value um, appetizer. What do you think, Jay? I, I think he's right. I think it's something you're going to see more of. And uh, I actually have a friend. Uh, we have a house guest this weekend who says it was one of the things that she loved a long time ago when she was a child. She loved it at their grandmother's because they would have it all the time and talked about the richest of it, but said that they used to use it in soups and it had a dramatic effect on that. I mean, I, I'm not a chef, so I don't know exactly how many other applications, but it sounds like it's it's pretty, pretty interesting to say the least. All right. That's it. Uh, dealer salespeople, get your bone marrow spoons ready. Pack them up. These come in a holster. Do I need to carry them like a gun? Uh, what do I do? Just put them in my bag or put them in my shirt pocket probably, right? I, I would think so. Yep. Easy to carry in. No no fuss, no muss. They're the same size as a regular spoon, maybe slightly uh, super spoon, maybe slightly larger. Um, and many of them have uh, a, sp- uh, a spoon or bill at one side, but they can be used as a pick on the handle. So, uh, and they're, and, and they're intuitively very easy to use. That's it. That's a hot idea of the day. Bone marrow spoons. You order a lobster with your bone marrow, you get surf and turf. You're done. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Bone marrow. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it? All right, everybody. That's it for our hot idea of the day. Thanks, Greg. And when we come back, we're going to jump right into our round table with some of this, uh, some of the hottest issues uh, today. And we're going to kick them around here for a few minutes. And we'll be right back with you right after this break. This episode of Every Other Thursday is brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. For more than eight years, Tabletop Journal has been raising the awareness of just how important Tabletop is to the overall guest dining experience. Using the hashtag TabletopMatters, Tabletop Journals connected the kindred spirits of the hospitality world all around the globe. TabletopJournal.com, where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places all in the world of hospitality tabletop. Now, back to our podcast. Okay, everybody, we're back here at Every Other Thursday. This is our roundtable segment. 
And today, I got to tell you that everywhere, every phone call I get these days, we're talking about trade shows. Everybody's getting ready to go to a trade show. There's a big one in Milan, Italy coming up. Somebody's just got back from the restaurant show in London. People talking about even next year's NRA show. I want to talk today about trade shows. What is the future likely to be in the hospitality industry for trade shows? Greg, you worked at a trade show, the National Restaurant Association show. And Jay, you've exhibited and attended uh, at a ton of trade shows through the year. What do you think? Where are they going? I think that they're going to be in decline, but not going away. They will remain important, but at a, at a, at a smaller level. As in the industry consolidates, and uh, on both the operators, well, on both the operator side and the supplier side, and also a new generation is coming up that somehow doesn't like to look people in the eyes and press the flesh. They'd rather do things uh, over the internet um, and, and and kind of more impersonally, which doesn't bode well for trade shows. But if if, if it, trade shows are a lot of work and they tend to be very expensive for the exhibitors, but if they, if that exhibitor does their homework and prepares, they can be very, very helpful. Jay, you, you're really good. I've watched you at trade shows before. You're really good. What are some of the things that you do that make you so successful at, at trade shows? And, and how would other manufacturers, because i got to tell you, I, some people just, they, they just grit their teeth and write a check, and they don't even know why they go to some of these shows. How can, other, how can what you do help other people, other exhibitors in their, when they go to a show? Well, I think, I think one of the things that Greg said that's critically important is if you're not a person that enjoys shaking someone's hand or looking them in the eye and getting an opportunity to talk to somebody face-to-face, then you probably shouldn't even waste a plane ticket to go to it. So I, I think that, first of all, uh, factories that bring people should make sure they're bringing the right people. And certainly if they're bringing the top-level executives, they have to exhibit that uh, interest in, in pressing the flesh and uh, having – you know, meaningful interchanges with people at the tent. Uh, I think we talked about this amongst us chickens a long time ago, just to chat about it before we, we did this show live. And one of the things I think that, that we came to the conclusion on was that most of the suppliers uh, don't really prepare that well. Uh, they, the, maybe they're not as, uh, the setup is not as hospitable as it should be. I mean, I know you, you talk to people that are going to host or going to Machef or wherever they're going overseas, they usually get excited uh, about it and you know, a long time I used to think, well, that's because they want a free trip to Italy or they're going to Germany, wherever they're going. But that, I, I found that's not really to be true. I think they, they truly enjoy them because the trade shows over there are, are really more of an event. I mean, it's all about the product and the people, but it's also about the industry we're in, which is hospitality and entertainment. So most of the uh, vendors, like in my case, Stolzel Glassware, I mean, we, we have food and wine going all day long and uh, nobody takes advantage of it. But when you walk in there and it's, it's like you keep going down the line in different trade show booths, it's like going to a, to a different fair at each one of them. So I think we would be well served to uh, – to, to take a page out of how the Europeans do it. I, I agree completely with Greg that I think they're going to shrink, but they're going to remain a necessary evil for a long, long time. Uh, at the end of the day, no matter what you do, uh, if you're not there, you're conspicu- conspicuously, uh, uh, you know, you, you just, people no- will notice that you're not there. So that's not just the only reason to go, but I mean, you also, in most cases in a, in a, in a two or three day period, you probably would never get another chance to see as many people as you, you will see at the trade show. You just got to get them into the booth and you got to impress them, make them happy. They stop and all that other good stuff. Yeah. The takeaway is that uh, the exhibitor has to know what they want to accomplish 
and have to figure out how to measure that and be and then train the people to accomplish that goal. That's a great point. That's a great point. And I don't mean to jump in on you there, Greg, but you know, it's, it's funny you should say that because with a lot of the suppliers trying to be all things to all people, and I, I believe to be a meaningful tabletop supplier, you, you maybe need more than one product depending on what, you're, you, what lane you're in. But it's gotten to the point now where I walk down some aisles in uh, this, this 10 or 15 different major lines in one booth. I don't know how you... I don't know how you make any kind of impact on that. I mean, you'll impact people that when they look over and they go, oh my God, that's a lot of different product. But uh, to your point, exactly. I mean, I think people bring sometimes way too much stuff. See, I always, I always had the feeling too, when you went to a trade show, it was like just reconnecting with old friends again. And I got to tell you, it, it, we're, we're all running around. Uh, the entire world seems like it's going uh, in overdrive, you know, supersonic speed these days. And I, I, I have to think that this trade show might be one of the only places in the course of a year while you're at a trade show where you can almost shut the phones off and see your customers and your friends and your potential customers without without any interruption. You just belly to belly, face to face, whatever way you want to shake a hand and, and either start a relationship or reconnect and, re, and re-strengthen the existing relationship. I think I think trade shows, if they're done right, there's nothing that can uh, can compare with them. They're tiring and they're expensive and all that, but boy, there's it's hard to re- hard to imagine anything that would really truly replace what goes on there. Well, I think you're right, Dave, and they can really they can really expose a uh, a situation that could be a real issue. Well, everybody breaks their back to get the booth set up. They get get it all done, and we're spending all kinds of time going out at night entertaining customers, which you know you got to do a lot of that. But I, I was guilty of this myself until I realized just how critically important it is. And I think one, one of the things that many, many folks don't do as well as they should, I'm sure, uh, is after that trade show, my experience tells me that if, you're, if your leads and all your questions aren't answered to the customer within seven to 10 days of that trade show, that lead's probably dead. So you can spend all that money, but if you don't bring that level of service to get the answers uh, about questions your customers might have asked you while they were there, then you really wasted your money. So, so to sum it up, it looks like uh, as a group, we think that trade shows are going to continue for sure. It might get a little smaller. They're going to take a little on a little texture. But really, it's it's uh, in the best interest of the exhibitors for the, to the exhibitors take control and to prepare and have a game plan going in, and then quickly uh, follow up and and then ultimately assess the the ROI or whatever they feel is is important on each show. Is that about is that fair? That's fair. And the game plan includes uh, personnel training, and you and you can't be too detailed. Everything about how to bring people into that booth and engage them in conversation. Okay, guys, I want to move on to our next topic, and it's it's really a sort of a macro topic, and I, I want to talk about. There's a lot of things going on with food and beverage trends these days, whether it's uh, retro cocktails on the beverage side, whether it's uh, meatless meat on the on the food side. How do these trends that are either in food or in beverage, how do they impact the tabletop trends? Yeah, I think I think from my standpoint, the point we've been talking about with the bone marrow spoons is one. I mean, here's something probably nobody thought much of. So if it's going to have an impact in your restaurant, you're going to have to get involved with the, with the food side of it and then the uh, the implement side of it. But I, I, I think it's probably pretty much the same. You know, I mean, if there's a trend, if, you, if there's a trend coming on. Depending on what your t- tabletop looks like, you're going to maybe have to do some investment or you know rearrange a few things. But uh, I think the, the 
you know, food trends will always have an impact. I think part of it is, okay, what's, what's the latest trend in food and how do we react from a, a beverage and a tabletop need? And a lot of these, these are trends and these are fads. They're going to come and they're going to go. And again, I think that the important issue is for suppliers to be able to meaningfully engage with the operators. So you might have products that really you're not going to make a million dollars selling, or, or your but you're going to you're going to, be, you're going to create a dialogue. So for example, um, uh, gin and tonic glasses. You know, here's a specialty item: gin and tonic. You know, gins are now making a are, are, are making this huge comeback. Um, gin- there's a there's a gin mill on every corner. It right. seems like these right. days. And gin, it's, and gin and tonics are really are key. So why not bring a, a specialized glass which exists, you know, forward with that and and have the operator and, if, and even if they don't buy it, uh, they you you've come to them telling them about this new trend that they should be on board with this. This is a way that they can improve their profits. And, and 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 you become an indispensable uh, partner. No, I agree with that. I, I think there's so many different types of botanicals used in the in the uh, distilling of gin. There's so many differences, and each one has different nuances. Uh, to have a special glass just for that for that uh, cocktail, I, I think it makes all the sense in the world. That's a great example, Greg. I know where you can get some too. Oh. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and you can take. That- idea to anything not just gin and tonics but other drinks other um other uh tabletop items there's there's just a it's 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 never ending and it it produces lots of opportunities so so you would say uh i guess the the overall comment is if i was a salesperson uh i would want to be on staying on top of trends and trying to um, frame my, my, anything that I might have in the product category that be related, show how it's relevant to an existing trend, whether it's a, the specialty glass for gin and tonics, whether it's a, in my uh, flatware uh, uh, portfolio, I have a bone marrow spoon, and it just but to stay on top of trends. Yep, absolutely. And then figure out where in my line I have, I, I can apply that. Well, put yourself in the operator's position. If you have, uh, I'm just going to pick a number, six uh, suppliers coming at you, and they all have pretty much the same service, price, products. Which one are you going to take? You're going to take the guy that stands out, that's bringing you information on a on a timely basis that you can implement and uh, and improve your profits. Yeah, telling me stuff the, the the one that tells me stuff I don't know already. Exactly. So I learned from. That's great. That's a great. That, that's a great point because if I'm an operator, I got my head down. I'm trying to just you know grind out my my meals each day. Keep, you know, keep track of my uh, my uh, my staff, and and especially not only keep track of my existing customers, but how do I get more customers? So I'm really focused on my operation. Probably if I'm an, especially if I'm an independent operator. So I urge suppliers to think long-term strategically. And I know that's tough for a DSR that's battling it out on the street where you want to get that sale today. But by building this, you know, this dialogue and these relationships take a long time often to build. But this is the way you do it, meaningful, with meaningful information. Absolutely correct. Yeah, you got to bring value. Bring value if you're a dealer salesperson, I think. Yeah, and if you're an operator, maybe you might even think about starting your own food trend. What do you mean by that? How, how would you do that? 
we have a place up in New England, as, as you know, Dave, and we have a really, really high-end restaurant that uh, sits right on the river, and they serve great seafood and all that. And, you know, sometimes you go in there and somebody goes, well, I don't eat oysters or I don't eat lobster. And you, What do you got? And uh, this operator uh, created a $15 hot dog for his restaurant. And when I first heard about that, I, I looked on the menu. I said, hey, what's this, what's this deal, man? Is it like weigh four pounds? And actually, it was it was amazing. He 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 served a, a very high quality frankfurter hot dog. We'll give it a little bit of sizzle here, but but what he did was he put it on a, a steak platter. He brought a lot of garnish. He brought uh, pickles with it, chips with it, all kinds of stuff. And I'll tell you, it's one of the it's one of the best selling things on his menu because everything else is like three times that much money. But so the hot dogs of value. But it's it was really creative. So you know. Get, Getting back to the bone marrow thing or whatever it is, I mean, you know, sometimes an operator can create his own excitement with, with, with his own food that he sells at his restaurant. You know what? It's great. It's great to see an operator like that, that, that you can really tell is having fun with their business. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's cool. It's really cool. Last topic I want to talk about today, and we're probably not going to get all the way through this, but I want to put this out there so that we can follow it up in future episodes. I can't pick up any publication. I can't log on to uh, the internet any place and look at food service without something being mentioned about cannabis being, uh, you know, whether it's the ruling uh, by the state legalizing it or whatever. But see, uh, you know, people want to put cannabis oil and everything, it seems like under the sun. Um, Where's this all going? And what do you guys think think about that? And um, is this is this something that's just a fad that'll pass? Or are we going to be living cannabis for the rest of our lives? Well, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I never, never had any relationship with that product in any way, shape, or form. And I'm not just saying that. I don't know. I mean, you know, Dave, you and I know a gentleman that wrote a book called Cannabis and Cocktails. So you know a fair amount about that book. So I, maybe there, that maybe there is a, yeah, maybe there is a flavoring or something like that, or is it is a, a, a garnish? I, but other than that, I really couldn't even get, give you an opinion. Well, cannabis is here to stay, and it's going to be growing. And uh... <laughs> is that a pun? Nice, nice job, Greg. I like the way you slid that right in there. Give him a rim shot. It's a growing product. It's a growing trend. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and it's going to take creative people to figure out how it can affect tabletop. So here we were just talking about uh, about how you can create specialized products, be it a special gin and tonic glass for that drink. Then you you can certainly come up with. Uh, specialized products that enhance the cannabis experience or dinnerware. There, there will be opportunities. I don't know what they are right now. Do you think there's some 15-year-old kid out there developing a great new plate for cannabis? Well, there might not be, but there should be. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just wondering, is it cannabis or is it going to be uh, – um, I mean, do t- I guess that, that is the larger question. Do tabletop people have to be worried about cannabis or thoughtful of cannabis in what, in what way? Or do they just have to say cannabis is going to be used in, in, a, in, you know, in desserts and so they come up with a more of a dessert line or they come up with uh, an appetizer? Somebody's going to have to do some real, real serious – puts real serious thought about how that could positively affect the taste of a food product. My concern is uh, about that product is you're in a restaurant, you're having a glass of, maybe you're having a cocktail, you're having a glass of wine. And now we're talking about a a product that as well can affect you physically. Is there going to be liability? If someone leaves, has had one or two drinks, how will that affect a certain person? Uh, It's like, I can't drink tequila. 
Well, I'm not. Ta- I'm not. I'm not just talking about. Uh, well, maybe maybe we, this will be a topic for the next uh, next episode. But I'm not just talking about smoking cannabis or you know whatever. I'm talking about cannabis oils and. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about too. I'm not talking about that at all. I mean, you, I, I think if you let people smoke marijuana in your restaurants, you, you, you're you're crazy. I mean, you, I can't because most restaurants will just let you even smoke them. So I'm talking about as a as a condiment or whatever. Uh, but you know, I don't know. I mean, I, it's like this vaping thing. I mean, whoever knew that this thing would go bad this fast? But so, what would happen with cannabis, a cannabis product and a food product when it gets slid in alongside of wine, beer? hard liquor, whatever. I don't know. And another another sidebar to this whole conversation is the only topic that probably gets more coverage these days is off-premise dining uh, with DoorDash and Grubhub and all that. And in the legalization of pot uh, being and most of the time pot is smoked in the home and people are ordering out meals to be delivered to the home afterwards. And now you can say, well, it, it enhances the business because maybe you got the munchies and you order more food. But the reality is, is that, uh, you know, if you're going to smoke, and I'm just talking about smoking now or, or in, uh, in not necessarily cannabis oil, but uh, I, I think this is a big topic. And I think, Greg, I think you're right. It's not going to go away. Not, and, and, and somebody's going to come up with dinnerware I don't know utensils, cutlery, uh, or, or you know, uh, or uh, glassware, something that's going to be cannabis centric, and uh, and again, that those first people in, in the door are going to do are going to get a lot of attention. Okay, dinner dinnerware suppliers, tabletop suppliers, get your cannabis uh, concepts up and running because uh, <laughs> it doesn't look like it's going to go away. All right. Any last comments on any of the three topics we kicked around today at the round, on the roundtable, gentlemen? Trade shows, food and beverage trends. In all these cases, I know that, you know it's tough out there, and it's easy for us to sit back and say, you know, here's a good idea, this should happen, etc. But and it's easy to look, uh, you know, you should be looking long term. I we I know that people are battling it out in the streets, and uh, but it, that long term strategic perspective is so important. It's really that is the deline- that's the delineator between uh, long term success and not. So think 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 long term. Build those relationships. Amen. Amen. Thanks, gentlemen, for joining uh, joining in today on this inaugural uh, session of Every Other Thursday. Folks, I want to, out there in the audience, our listeners, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And every other Thursday, we'll be here bringing it to you live and unvarnished. This is Dave Turner for Jay Alley and for Greg Kirish. Thanks for joining us here again at Every Other Thursday. This episode of Every Other Thursday has been brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. For more than eight years, Tabletop Journal has been raising the awareness of just how important Tabletop is to the overall guest dining experience. Using the hashtag TabletopMatters, Tabletop Journal has connected the kindred spirits of the hospitality world all around the globe. TabletopJournal.com where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places, all in the world of Hospitality Tabletop. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of Every Other Thursday. You can learn more about Every Other Thursday by visiting our website, everyotherthursdaypodcast.com.